Bobby was my older brother by five years. Bobby, being the oldest, was always just part of our lives. We knew he was different. We knew he was special. We loved him, of course. This is Life on My Own, Developmental Disabilities from Institution to the Community, brought to you by the Maine Developmental Disabilities Council. Bobby was born in Lubeck, Maine in 1942. At birth, he was intellectually disabled. He lived with his family as a nonverbal child. His sister, Vicki Shad, wrote a book celebrating his life, and she remembers that he loved the outdoors. Uh, winter was tough on him. In fact, often he'd go out, even in the cold weather, and uh, his favorite thing to do was to stand at the end of the lane of the driveway, uh, right on the edge of the road, edgy enough so that it really made my mother very nervous, and uh, he would watch the cars. And our one, Route 189, uh, we could see way from the end of that driveway, we could see way to the top of the hill towards West Lubeck, and then down into the village of, uh, toward the village of Lubeck. And uh, he just loved standing there. Shad says there were never any tensions with the neighbors concerning Bobby's presence. There were people who, and in the book I've, I've referred to it, alluded to it, people who wondered um, what would become of him, wondered if he, if he would ever be violent, because he was very strong, wondered perhaps even if he might uh, do something to my little sister and me, uh, because we were a lot younger than him, but he, he never, ever did anything that was the least bit inappropriate. Some of them were a little nervous around him as he got bigger and older. Uh, he was, uh, I think they felt just sad for him when he was a child, a little child. He was handsome, very sweet uh, disposition, but obviously they would say flawed, you know, there was obvious, obviously a problem. There was a t period of time when Bobby would set out on his own and go for a walk, which of course made my mother just crazy because she always needed to know where he was. Bobby's care was mostly overseen by his mother. My father worked a lot of hours and um, yes, she would definitely, I w we would definitely say she had the care of him. She worked part-time at, at the town office, part-time and temporary help at the town office and the light office in town. And uh, on the weeks that she worked, uh, Bobby would stay with her mother up at North Lebec, mother and father. And uh, sometimes even when he was younger, he would stay with my great-grandmother, her grandmother. And that was, you know, he, he was always with family until that, you know, that one year. That one year was 1954, and Bobby was 12. His behavior was getting um, difficult in the sense that Mom felt she couldn't really control him, and she was so afraid of him being abducted or, or something. She just felt that she could not, she couldn't guarantee his safety. 
I think that was the way she would. And she also wondered, she and Dad both, so what happens when something happens to us? So after getting opinions from several doctors and researching, they went to visit the Pownell State School, also known as Pineland, and met with the director of education. He was kind to my parents. He spoke to them about how that, before Bobby got there, about how he would be uh, in with a group of kids that were learning to, oh, sweep floors and and uh, do tasks that they might even be able to get paid for uh, and therefore help to, help to pay their own way, not to panel, but through life, and that uh, they might... Um, might live a, a life that was more independent than what Bobby was what Bobby seemed to be headed for. Bobby's parents decided to send him to Pownell, but the catch was they wouldn't be able to see him for six weeks. Even though she was only seven, Shad saw problems ahead. How are they going to know what he wants? My mother can ant- any of us can anticipate everything he needs or wants. How come? We're going to let him go for six weeks, and he won't be able to say anything to anybody. How are they going to know? How are they going to know what he wants, that he likes his needs to have his meat all cut up before he can try to eat it? How, how can are they going to let him stand out by the side of the road and watch the cars? And if they don't, he's going to be really unhappy. Shortly afterward, news reports surfaced about abuse at Pineland, and Bobby's parents fought to bring him home. You know, you consider a handsome young man just entering puberty, and uh, we don't know. Bobby couldn't tell us, of course, but we assume, especially because of actions that that um, he did, he, he just became he became a very fearful and edge, edgy is the word I keep going back to. Um, he would... Sometimes he would just bite the back of his hand until it would bleed. It was as if he needed to, um, I don't know, to release that tension or whatever. But he was there for almost the six weeks. Actually, I think he was there just about the six weeks. And so during that time, we don't know exactly what happened. But um, logic and the ability to face you know, to, you could just be in denial and say, oh, no, I don't think anything happened to him, you know. But um, it, it was much more healing for Bobby for us to acknowledge what had happened and promise him that we would never, ever expose him to that again, and we didn't know. It took some time for him to recover. I would say he was well into his teens, maybe even into his 20s, before he was completely at ease with people. If, if someone would uh, come to the house that he didn't know, you know, he would, uh, he would kind of stay in the shadows. Um, I don't remember it clearly enough. I should not even speak that definitively about it because I was, I was a seven-year-old happy-go-lucky kid, you know, and didn't know what had happened to him or what probably happened to him. And therefore, my... You know, my powers of observation were not very finely tuned at that point. As a young adult, Bobby did recover. His smile was infectious, and the giggle, too. Uh, He would shake hands, as I said, put his face down for a little kiss. Uh, Or he would just ignore you completely. If he had his mind on other things, he would often 
just, you know, uh, wander through the house or go outside. And when he wanted to go outside, uh, it didn't matter how hot it was. He would go to the hall closet and get a jacket and gloves and a hat. Eventually, Bobby's parents began experiencing some health problems as they got older, and Shad knew they would have to find a solution for Bobby. I remember one night during that really hard time, this was back in 2006 and seven, and um, Dad was getting a lot sicker, and we were becoming more aware that he had been covering for Mom with the dementia for quite some time. And, of course, Bobby... Bobby was Bobby, and uh, he just acted nervous again, like he had years before. And I went in, sat on his bed one night. He he loved to have people tuck him in, and you tickle him. He loved it. He would giggle and laugh, and uh, so (laughs) especially on the belly, it's always better. And he he was there um, juggling (laughs) and worried and I just sensed he was worried Uh, and we all were of course and uh, I remember I I talked to him we prayed together and I I said you know I said I know mom and dad are not doing good they're getting sick aren't they and I looked in his his eyes, which often were, you know, he would he would look around at the autism. I think he had a, just a little bit of that, and uh, his he was just locked into my eyes, and I had sense enough to look right back and not not look away because it was a quite a moment. I will never forget it. I don't believe, and uh, I said, "You're worried that somebody won't be here to take care of you." I said, Bobby, I promise you, I will make sure that there's always someone to take care of you. Bobby died in 2011 at age 68. Shad says he was exactly who he was meant to be, and every life has significance and meaning. I know that he knew he didn't think as clearly as other people did, but I think he did the best he could with what he had, which is all any of us can do. And uh, what he would have wanted for himself would probably would have been to be um, what we would call normal, uh, able to speak, able to read, to learn things, to do a job, to find a wife and marry, maybe have kids. But I'm not sure that he dwelt on it very long. I think that his, his choice was contentment, and we all would do better with that. You've been listening to Life on My Own, Developmental Disabilities from Institution to the Community, a production of the Maine Developmental Disabilities Council with the assistance of oral history and folk life research.